Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is bulk. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. They're long and prosperous. and welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. He is one-third of the Red Shirts Podcast and an international man of mystery. It's Nathan Thomas! Yeah! <laughs> What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having, thanks for having me on. Um in my the middle of my pleasure. night um <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we i've talked with a couple of uh with a couple of guests about uh when the when the podcast discussions get a little uh get a little racy doing, <laughs> doing a separate doing a separate uh a separate podcast called computer resume nights Yes, and, uh, it might it might just be you and uh, the red shirts folks <laughs> coming. <on. laughs> we we do we 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 are slightly naughty. It is true. I, I will behave myself while I'm here, but when you come on our podcast, uh, oh yeah, no of, hold barred. Yeah, the, the number of times has been like, is your podcast explicit? Yes, iTunes. Unfortunately, Jake made a joke that may not fly everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's so great. Uh, yeah. Let, um. So let's let's just go ahead and dive right in here. What mm. I've heard from Jake and Maddie, and now um, let's get your side of the story. <laughs> what uh, what what drew you to Star Trek first? Let's 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 start there. What did were you did you watch it as a kid or I did. Okay, you know, because right. and I'm going to show how sort of youthful I am here because I was born in 97 so I was born during a (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I was I was slow balling that when you were mentioning um, your age earlier I was like "Mm, I'm not gonna mention mine but but now you've asked the question I'm gonna have to so obviously that was I'm not gonna say a dark time for for Trek but it was it meant that I grew up when Trek wasn't on like Nemesis came out 2003 I think that was the only Star Trek movie until Abrams that mm-hmm. I could see in the cinema. And I was probably a bit young. I probably got that on DVD or something. I don't remember seeing it in the cinema. But mm. what got me into it was my mum, because um, it was a single parent household. I, I grew up okay. with my mum and she liked Star Trek. She liked she liked TNG in particular. And there were reruns of that on various British channels over the years, because it just moved. It was on the BBC when it was released, obviously, but then it jumped, the rights jumped around as, as they do. Yeah. Um, same thing she here. Had, yeah, thing yeah. Here. And then she had videos, and then eventually DVDs and stuff of the TNG movies, and then the TOS movies. I never watched much outside of that until Abrams, until I was like a teenager when I started watching Deep Space Nine and everything else. And it's just whole part of my massive nerd development. Like I am the Star Trek. I think was one of the starting points. I'm actually autistic, so I think it was one of the obsessions I had through that kind of neurodiversity and oh, that's neat. 
but but like my mom, <laughs> funny story. I've said this on red shirts before, but um, it it really shows my origin in Star Trek. Where my mom said, "I don't know where you get all of." We were watching an episode of Star Trek at the time. Mm-hmm. She went, "I don't know where you get all of your nerdiness from." And I was like, "Mom, what's a warp field?" And she goes, "Well, it goes around the ship, and it means it's just like okay." <laughs> and I was like, "And an inertial dampener," and it was like, and, and you know, she explained what that was, and it was like, you know, how many settings does a phaser have? And she says, "Well, I think at least sixteen. There's stun." kill and then there's disintegration and she went oh my god it's me <laughs> she doesn't consider herself a nerd at all but like you know and every now and again whenever she says something like that i'll ask her a question she'll be like what's your favorite enterprise then mum <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah that's wild yeah when yeah because when uh when i my my earliest stuff of watching star trek was not on cbs it was actually on <laughs> the fox network here uh yeah. the local the local fox affiliate and it wasn't until later that I was just like, oh, it's a CBS thing. Okay, cool. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. My parents were kind of, uh, I think, well, because I was the youngest of three. So by the yeah. time, by the time all I rolled around, it was just, they were kind of over the parenting thing. <laughs> they were like, all right, let's just set up in that. front of the television, cartoons and sci-fi. He'll be fine. We'll make sure he goes to school. It'll be all right. <laughs> Yeah, but so long that, as he doesn't die of something, we're fine. Exactly, exactly. Let's raise no questions with Department of Social Services, and we should be all right. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, so, okay. So that was that was how you kind of got into uh, sci-fi mm. and Star Trek specifically. What are your other What are your other fandoms? Just briefly. Um. Oh God. Uh. I'm big. I mean, I'm a big D and D role playing fantasy type nice. person. I I wrote my because I did a, a, you'd call it an English major, um, but, uh, and I wrote my dissertation on Lord of the Rings. So oh, cool. Yeah, on the nature of bleakness and hope in Lord of the Rings. I was arguing Lord wow. of the Rings fundamentally a bleak, but ultimately hopeful work. And all of Tolkien's Middle Earth work is ultimately hopeful, though it is very dark and bleak and characterizing it as, some critics do as like a, a Boy Scouts lovely jolly day out is is inaccurate, <laughs> um, and then I don't know beyond that. Like I'm I I've got big into the fantasy stuff in a very generic and very broad way. I mean I just yeah I used to read just everything and now I play mm-hmm. too many video games and all sorts. Um, well, it sounds you like know. you got a video game fandom. <laughs> I suppose your... I do. Yeah, I haven't really <laughs> thought of it that way. Um, I mean. It's funny because until Red Shirts came along and I started appearing on Star Trek podcasts like yours and doing my own, Star Trek was very much my thing that I didn't I didn't enjoy with a lot of friends, right? right like right. not because I did have friends with a passing interest, but they never had my interest. <laughs> like, uh, you know. Okay. Yeah, and I know and, the feeling. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't and, and I, I have a lovely, wonderful set of friends who would never mock me for for what I enjoy. So it wasn't like, you know, I was being ostracized or I felt I had to hide it. It was just like, oh, not my my friends know what Star Trek is, but they don't they don't care that much. Whereas like uh, I did and I found it interesting and I watched, you know, a consumed series. Um so and now it seems to be the main fandom that I, you know, I spend talking about every week and now I'm struggling right. to answer what the other ones are. Um <laughs> Uh, but you know, I like I, I like interesting stories. I suppose um, I'm also you know a comedy nerd in the sense of I I follow particular groups, particular sketch groups, particular comedians, and I and I analyze their work in a way that makes them very unfunny and boring. And my and my well, I... <laughs> my fiance doesn't like it when when I do that. 
just like well, yes Nathan's very uh, interesting we'll we'll get into the specifics of your comedy fandom a little bit later mm. but I, I am curious what drew you to comedy like what was the what was the initial thing of like oh hey this is a thing I can do and I like it I mean it's you know none of us have Netflix specials yet but like uh, you know, what was what was the thing for you? Very briefly. So I went to um, a sixth form college, which so in, in the UK, you go to school until 16, then you can do 17 till 18 education. The purpose of which, if you're doing A-levels, which is what I did, is really to get you into university. That's what it's for. Okay. Um, there's If you're not going to university, that's where you do sort of vocational training, like apprenticeships and stuff. But I went to a college, which is not... A college in the unit sense of a university it's a, it was a you know institution for 16 to 18 year olds okay day levels and the person who is now serving as the best man at my, my wedding next year is um congratulations by the way <laughs> thank you he was doing little skits on youtube just being funny and i really liked being with him and i and i watched and consumed i didn't really think i i thought oh everyone watches all of the british panel shows and 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 stand-up specials that come on because that's just what everyone does because it's just on like you know right. it, it's it's just the tv shows everyone watches you know like you know it's, it's what's <laughs> on on an evening so everyone watches that i mean why would you not watch the comedy shows turns out that's not true not everyone does yeah but, um <laughs> so so i was already interested in it and then he was doing stuff and then me and him started doing stuff together just to entertain our friends like i i can you know we we found that we could riff off off each other pretty well and then flash forward to going to uni um i wasn't I wasn't confident enough to join a sketch group or anything, but I was looking for societies and things to join and things to do as a student. And there right. was an improv comedy society. Nice, so I, nice. I, I participated in that. And they said, do you want to come perform with us? And I was like, yeah, all right, sure. I probably won't be very good. You'll get rid of me before too long. <laughs> I went, I really enjoyed it. I got a really good group of friends. And then they put together an Edinburgh Fringe show, which is a big comedy festival up here that everyone does. Nice. And then I went to the Fringe and then I was like, right, we're doing this forever. Um, <laughs> you know. And then at the end of exams that year, um, this is how I got into stand-up and kind of doing comedy on my own, though I, I wouldn't leave the improv group until the end of my university career but I started doing stand-up when the improv group got asked to perform in a sort of stress relief thing during exams mm. now my exams were over but not enough of our improv troops exams were over that they felt comfortable performing and I said and they said one of the people who was in it who was writing a stand-up thing and it encouraged me to try writing stand-up said you know they've got 20 minute spots that could be two 10 minutes for each of us and it was nice. like sure I'll do that and I agreed to it and then I realized I only had half an hour so I wrote my stand-up set in half an hour um, oh wow <laughs> it it was like I will say it's better than it should have been but it is obviously not great um and then and then I was like oh I wonder if you can do more of this and I could I could do it in Newcastle and that's how I met Jake Maddie and and I until the pandemic was performing pretty regularly and then since then my only real comedy output has been um red shirts i did a bit of zoom gigging but i just found it didn't have the same yeah i saw yeah there there was a thing well because there were a few there were a few folks here doing the zoom shows and it the whole vibe is different and it's yeah the the energy of the material is heavily dampened it just doesn't yeah it just doesn't play well and it's when you're 
when you're talking like we are now, it feels like, you know, uh, the, the audience is going to enjoy it and listen to it and, and, and react to it. Whereas I don't know about you, but I always felt if I was performing to a Zoom audience, it was just like shouting at a wall and the wall would just reflect it back at me. Yeah. And I was just yeah. Like, oh yeah. My God. Yeah. That's such a great, yeah. That's such a great <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. You're just shouting at a wall. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, I have, I mean, here at the house, like I went and got um, a mic stand. I have, mm like actual microphones and stuff to at least so that I can move around the way I do mm. on stage. Like I, you know, I'm not, one, I'm not one of those comedians that just stands there. Here's the microphone. Here is yeah. my material just dumped into the microphone for you. Like I move around. I do a lot of shouting. I do a lot of singing. Some of my, some of my bits have, you know, a bit of a physical element to it. I think that just comes from training as an actor and, you yeah. know, and stuff. Like I, that. I do a lot of audience interaction. So it's the same thing. I want to move. Right. And I want to think, I mean, I am a bit sort of wrong footed at the moment because I've moved city across the pandemic, which was fine. It was absolutely no problem whatsoever, <laughs> but it meant that like, I mean, England's not very big. I can always go back to uh, Newcastle and stuff, but I'd like to find, you know, I mean, I'm in Manchester, a reasonably large city as UK cities go. And yeah. And it's like, oh, I have no contacts here. I need to kind of start working stuff out. So I, I messaged a few people and they were like, yeah, you can have a spot. Our next available one is like October or November. And I'm like, oh, I want to get on the stage now, though. <laughs> right, right. I, uh, yeah, I was pretty steadily working until mm. till the pandemic and then it shut down and it kind of came in waves. And then between that, between that first and second wave, I got back out there and started doing it again. And darn it, don't you know, I, that's when I caught COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then it yeah. that put me back down and you know of course my wife got it too and she had it much worse than i did so i i'm 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 podcaster till <laughs> until this thing is over and done and till, the till, yeah, till you feel like yeah because i've only just got to that point where here in britain it feels like things aren't gonna change and yeah uh, we can we can skip around some of the politics and decisions of my government but i don't think politically they have the capital to lock us down again they just don't you know even if that's the right thing to do i just don't think they will yeah. now and we're we're very heavily vaccinated my second vaccine is in a couple of days and it that's just great. feels like yeah it just feels like things are gonna stay at this level of stability so i can plan again now yeah um, but but also yeah because i mean yeah, and you know that goes for you know things happening over there, things happening here stateside, mm. uh, things well around the world is kind of if you don't, you know the old saying definitely holds true: those who fail to plan plan to fail, and that's kind of what happens in this episode of Star Trek is like, hey, <laughs> we went down there with a plan, but we didn't account <laughs> for every single thing, and then it kind of all crumbles very quickly. Um, but yeah, so uh, before we dive into the uh into the episode uh you guys have been for for those who maybe aren't familiar with red shirts just yet you guys are kind of going in hey let's talk about this chapter of star trek yeah. let's talk about this you know so you guys are skipping around a lot yeah because so the original idea mm -hmm. jake messaged me like so i did a standard routine about liking star trek and maddie talk to me afterwards and jake was at that gig so he knew this was pre-pandemic a while ago so he knew we were into star trek and when the pandemic hit um jake started watching star trek he'd watched some next gen but he mm -hmm. started watching it properly in the pandemic and enjoying it and he set up a group chat with me and maddie being like 
nice. this is my thoughts. These are the things I'm thinking. <laughs> and like, we kind of liked the original idea though. This we, we strayed a good distance away from this because frankly, it's not sustainable is that me and Maddie know about Star Trek and Jake doesn't. But the more you, obviously, the more podcasting he does, it's inevitable that he's stuck with, you know, he's developed. He's, he's no um, longer, no longer a new. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the idea was if you, if you don't know stuff about Star Trek or if you wanted to like, say, you know, you'd watch TOS and then you wanted to pick up Picard and you're mm. like, oh, I don't know who the Borg are. You could watch our three or four. These are the essential Borgy episodes. This is this is what this is like. You know, we recently recorded, and on the day we're recording this, we released the episode on Arena, the classic TOS Gorn fight episode. Nice, like, yeah. Oh, I've always, you know, and and for me that was that's one of the things that I th I think I get a lot with Star Trek fandom because there's so much of it. It's like, oh. I've I've heard about the Gorn fight episode, but as a TNG fan, I've never watched it. I never what actually happens in that episode. You right. can listen to our, you, you know, you can listen to us as deal with it, and it's really trying to take that holistic view. Because as well, the other kind of thing we try and answer. I don't know if this is as consciously in in Jake's and Maddie's mind, but it's the thing I try and push is when I see fans on discovery who are perhaps unhappy with a direction it's taken being like this isn't star trek i kind of want to go mm, well let's let's look at that is it has this happened before has similar things happened before has this message happened before is this something truly new and unique and is it necessary for it to be unique you know like i, I try and look at those kinds of yep. like yep. the the question what it like what's why do we jump around is really answered by the question well what is star trek like you know i'm not trying to do it in a chronological order i'm trying to do it in an order that kind of answers that question um, well, which is a very high-minded way of saying we watch the episodes we want right <laughs> <laughs> but it's also but you know that's actually a really great way to approach it because and i think mm. this was something that maddie said was that uh you know doing it that way you aren't tied to any sort of history, which in mm. Star Trek, the history of it, uh, be it the fictional history established of Starfleet and the Federation, the whole thing, or the history of the production, because I mean, we're well over or well over 50, might be over 60 uh, years worth of history of this show of this franchise. Mm. So it's kind of nice to kind of jump around because you can you can approach each chapter or story with fresh eyes. Yeah, every time. And, and that's great. I think it's really interesting when we get together, Maddie started watching Star Trek through the Abrams verse. Mm -hmm. So it's a very different expectation and then went back to TOS. It's a very oh. different expectation to say me, who's TNG, Deep Space Nine, to Jake, who's, you know, like I said, picked it up more recently, um, quite big, he quite likes Discovery and, and so, which is not to say I, I dislike the, some of the shows we haven't mentioned, but it, it kind of means that like, you know, what is my sacred cow that should never be slaughtered is completely <laughs> different to what Maddie's is, you know. Right. Like if I if I see like, you know, section thirty-one covering coming up in in Discovery and in um Abra you know, the reference that is in um, Into Darkness, and I'm like Crumble. There's, there's always a Maddie around to remind me that that's not weird to her, or or a Jake around me who's like, who are they? They're not new. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you know, it, it, and and I think it grounds me from becoming 
because because I'm the mo- of the three of us, I'm the most likely to become a kind of fan of something I hate that's really gatekeepy and like, no, that's not how it should be. Right. But, but, but the other two of them kind of keep me honest and make me go, well, okay, then it's fine, whatever. People can enjoy the thing however they like. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially more recently, now that nerd, cult, nerd culture has definitely been pushed into the mainstream where, you know, comic book fans aren't really ostracized so much anymore. And, you know, the, no, the, the, the biggest... sci-fi franchises <laughs> are the... Box, box, box office blockbusters. Look, when when Disney's buying Star Wars, you know it's not, you right. know, or, right. or like Marvel, like you know it's not that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you don't exactly. have to hide in the in the basement anymore. <laughs> you can right, come out exactly. Now. So you know, when it comes to stuff like this for Enterprise, where you know this one, you know, is kind of the is kind of the redheaded stepchild of the franchise. Mm. Everyone. It seems like there's a lot of everyone's heard of it, but not a lot of people have actually watched it. They yes, everyone and thinks it's bad, but that, yeah. Now we're getting into the elephant in the room because I do believe Enterprise is bad. Oh, I don't okay. know if the other All two. Right. I don't know if the other two have warned you about this, but I'm the most <laughs> v- Enterprise is the series I I like the least. Um, okay, I say that I I haven't watched all of it because I don't. I don't want to watch lots of a TV show I'm not enjoying. Of course. But, but like, <laughs> I have watched, I think, enough of it that my opinion is not just going with the with the prevailing, you know, wind, so to speak. Sure. I don't like Enterprise as a series. I think it does some really good individual episodes, but mm-hmm. always the problem for me is then I remember what Archer was like in a different episode. I'm like, well, it's completely bloody inconsistent. And that bugs me in a way I can't describe. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I, I am famously, whenever we record an Enterprise episode, they're like, oh, you're going to hate it this time. And I'm like, yes, obviously I'm going to hate it. And I'm like, any of, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and um, I mean, I guess we'll get into my my thoughts a bit more once you've once you've recapped a little bit. But um, well, this one this one isn't the worst, but I still um it didn't win me over yet. Oh, for sure, yeah. With uh, with Archer, you know, has consistently he's gotten away from a lot of boneheaded decisions, but this one was definitely a step backwards for yeah. him for him, but mostly for his crew, where it's like. Reed is kind of like Johnny on the spot. He's the tactical guy. Like you kind of have to like, yeah. Who doesn't check their equipment, man? (laughs) There's a note I wrote down where uh, like Archer, Archer says it was a mistake. There'll be no reprimand. It was like, no, you should, you should reprimand him a little bit. Like, like, I know Starfleet, not a military, but I feel like any kind of organized uniformed service would put at least like a, 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 on file kind of this guy yeah. made a little a letter, bit of a, a pretty definitely going in the file for sure yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it's not like uh it's not like i mean let's face it they him dropping that community communicator started a war and archers archers just like oops <laughs> it irritates me uh well without further ado let's get into this week's recap spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert what if a backward culture were to glimpse the future my communicator it's gone it's crucial we retrieve the technology i think we found a pair of enemy spies we're visitors not spies they're going to be executed what if we did tell them the truth after returning from an away mission to a pre-warped society 
Let me try that again. <clears throat> After returning from an away mission to a pre-warp society, Reed is unable to locate his iPhone. Where the hell my phone? A search of the shuttle bay area proves fruitless, so Archer and Reed return to the planet to try to find it, so as not to leave a contaminant within the culture. Unfortunately, it's a trap. set by the local military, who have already found the iPhone. With their capture, the local commander, General Gosis, also possesses contaminant scanners and a phase pistol as well. Meanwhile, becoming desperate to locate the away team, T'Pol's attempt to contact actually divulges the captain's identity, and Archer and Reed are physically interrogated. After a mild beating, it is discovered that not only are Archer's and Reed's forehead morphology not the same as the locals, but they also have iron-based red blood and vastly different internal organs. May your forehead grow like the mighty oak. In response, Archer and Reed improvise a story about being genetically altered prototypes with prototype equipment from an opposing faction known as the Alliance. It's a total fabrication. While allaying suspicion that they are aliens, the military commander decides to hang Archer and Reed so that autopsies can be performed to discover more about their enhancements. Meanwhile, on Enterprise, a rescue mission is planned by Trip using the captured Sulaban cell ship that they got back in the pilot episode. Meanwhile, in their cell, Archer and Reed contemplate the irony of their adherence to an early version of Starfleet's prime directive. As they're about to be hanged, the cloaked Sulaban ship with T'Pol, Trip, and Travis arrives, enabling Archer and Reed to escape with their shuttle pod and captured technology. How convenient. Later back on Enterprise, Archer reflects on the consequences of their actions even in the absence of foreign artifacts. And T'Pol is impressed that Archer was willing to sacrifice himself in the line of duty. I don't care! So yeah, for, for Reed to be the tactical guy in charge of the weapons, <laughs> in charge of the pistols, in charge of the phasers, in charge of the torpedoes, yeah, for him to lose a communicator, it's kind of like, all right, dude, give me one of those pips back. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it feels like, like it feels bit. like yeah this should be this should lead because this is um and i'm gonna do on, on red shirt sometimes we call it nathan in the director's seat because i have this habit of with episodes i don't like thinking about how i'd rewrite them oh yeah and i think please. this is a this is a classic this is another of my classic beefs with enterprise is that i think they they miss the marks so much on on great episodes by merely making an episode that could be any Star Trek series, but because of that, I've seen it, and generally Enterprise's iteration of it isn't terribly good. And what I mean by this is, I think what this episode should be, you know, should be only in my opinion, but I think they missed the boat on an opportunity to make this episode, this is why Starfleet has the Prime Directive. Mm. So it's this contact mission, we see it all go wrong, and how I would do it is tell it through the medium of a court-martial where the Enterprise crew is ultimately found not guilty because there's no defined regulation for this situation and no defined, you know, you know, that the, the early version of the Prime Directive has holes in it that, you know, you'd have to rewrite the episode slightly to make them not as stupid. Um, but like yeah. the, 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 the result of that court-martial and stuff is, is the Prime Directive coming into force? And there's so much in Enterprise where it promises this is the foundation of Starfleet and the Federation and things, you know, and they don't do it. And, and maybe this is me projecting what I want Enterprise to be on the episode too much. But I just mm. think, why did we not explore 
you know, because so many times, this, this is a, another opportunity where a prequel can be so good because there's so many times in TNG and TOS and, and, and other Star Trek series where the prime directive just seems absolutely stupid where where it just <laughs> yeah. feels like Picard, why are you not helping these people you have a like no interference way of not causing a massive massacre and you're just being like no oh, i don't feel like the prime directive says i can't do that um and, and then he ends up doing it anyway you're like well, what was the point of all of that right. whereas this episode could show us exactly what goes wrong when you try and intervene in these situations you know early on we get the the tidbit that you know a war is brewing and there might be problems and they're thinking well maybe we could we could help intervene you know the vulcans when they visited us like you know archer even says it the vulcans interfering helped earth society maybe we should interfere with them and paul could be like well, i'm not sure that's logical or wise captain and then it all goes wrong they start capturing the technology things start blowing up you know oh, I, yeah. I just think again maybe i'm projecting too much but it just feels like this episode could have been amazing at showing us why the Prime Directive exists, what goes wrong when you interfere, what goes wrong when pre-warp civilizations that aren't ready, that haven't made the social development required for the kind of technology Star Trek has for its hopeful vision happen. Even better, if you really wanted to go all out on my idea, you'd make this some race of aliens that we later learn are you know, completely hostile to, that show up in a later series as as enemies of the Federation. I don't know who would be a valid candidate for that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to double down. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the stance that you take and say, you know, especially with what happened in a few episodes prior to this with minefield where Reed, Reed actually goes out to detach a mine from the hall and ends up trying to sacrifice himself for the Enterprise, it would be kind of cool for that to come into play in his court-martial of like, because of your stupid action, we're going to demote you, but because of your bravery, we're going to promote you. So nothing has changed, but we've acknowledged a little bit of the past with this character. And yeah, I think that could have been a really interesting, especially because of the crew, he is the military man. He, he yes. comes from the military family as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, Travis, is, it comes from a family of pilots and Hoshi's mm. doing her thing with the, with the, uh, universal Most translator. character in enterprise, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Ar- <laughs> Archer's a pilot. Yeah. False, false stop, right, full stop right there. He's a pilot. That's it. Um, which is of course a perfect choice to lead diplomatic missions as a, as a, <laughs> Stick I did. This, this actually brings me on to something I wanted to ask you. <laughs> yes, actually. please. I don't know if the other two have asked you, because one of our theories on Richard, obviously we're, we're all British and Star Trek and American show, we've always felt and feel free not to get into this if you don't want to, that no, Enterprise responds to a very particular moment in the American psyche that we just didn't have or get in Britain. So I wondered if, because they really... The the crew, and you, you would describe them as like, you know, pilots and there's this military man and stuff like that. They really don't resonate, I think, with me or I can't say with all British people everywhere because I don't represent all of them. But at least the two I talk about Star Trek with every week. Right. <laughs> they just don't feel to impact in that way. or And the issues just seem so far removed from not only, you know, because obviously original series Star Trek ha- covers 
respond sometimes to very particular versions of very particular issues. Mm-hmm. But it just seems to be covering issues that aren't even remotely related to <laughs> an event that happened in Britain. I just wondered if if you feel, if not more affinity with it, more of an understanding for it, more of a, I understand why that sometimes some of the decisions are made and sometimes the characters act like they, they do. I- I do. I have a feel, and this this is all kind of going to be a few small things that I've mentioned throughout the episodes mm. of this podcast. And, but I think it fully manifests itself in two different veins here because mm. the TNG era had ended. You know, yeah. CBS wants to keep that money that uh, that cash cow mooing. So yeah. okay, Deep Space Nine had done all right, and then Voyager kind of floundered. They needed something. Right. Okay. So you guys are greenlit for a new series, Star Trek, whatever it is, you've got your budget. Here's your studio. You, you are greenlit to go. Great. Mm. Okay, fine. But then for it to, I think there was a bit of a push and I, I, of course nobody foresaw 9-11, no. but you know, because Enterprise premiered like less than two weeks after 9-11, I think there was a sense, at least in this country, of man, things are dark. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know that people were specifically looking because I mean, I was in high school at the time, yeah. um, and I don't think people were specifically looking to Star Trek for hope, a light, yeah, you know, the a new dawn, whatever, you, whatever you want to use to yeah. uh, to categorize that. But I think there might have been a little bit of pressure on that. And because, because uh, you know, uh, Archer, Kirk, um, Cisco, Janeway, they're all super American, very American. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, understandably, Gene Roddenberry served in World War II. He's an, Amer- he's an American. This was all, this was all, this all laid the foundation. So it is yeah. a very American show. But, and of course, we always... I think every group of people wants to be seen as the hero, as the one leading the charge, the whole thing. It's Um, just funny, though, because, like, I look at crews like TNG and 2S and stuff, and I don't don't notice, even though it is, and sometimes I'm reminded to it, like, there's this uncomfortable jolt when they, there's, like, oh, some, you know, the, the, the... the theme where like Sulu's like, oh, San Francisco, I was born there. And I'm like, right. Yes, because everyone has to be boarded in the USA. But yeah. but I look at the cruise and honestly, oh, like, yeah, there's a Russian man there and a and yeah. you know, a Japanese man. And just like, even if they're Japanese American, Russian American, it's just kind of like so whereas whereas Enterprise, I'm like, this is the all-American, you know, it may as well be, you know, and maybe that's because they're not Starfleet, maybe that's because they're, you know, United Earth rather than Federation. But anyway, I interrupted yeah. you. Carry no, on. No, no, no. I think you know, and I, I think they do try to. I think the big thing that they really focus on, because this is a prequel series, is the fact that you know, after the events of First Contact, the tensions between the human race as a whole and mm. the Vulcans. You know, you you yeah. look at you look at things like Watchmen, where spoilers for Watchmen, but like <laughs> the whole idea was to give the human race an external villain an external you know some uh, uh, you know someone outside of the rest of us to be the antagonist so i think with enterprise the tensions come a lot of the tension comes from humans dealing with vulcans yeah you're going to have your dealings with the romulans the andorians the uh, you know the list goes on and on but in terms of the people 
because it's not just the ship and the aliens and the tech and all that it's the people so when you're talking about that it's i think that's one thing that they did capture was it's not so much hey this person's from america this person's from asia this person's you know from yeah. the uk it's the da, 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 da. it's more of hey we are humans but we have this person on we have this person who's second in command that we don't necessarily trust yet. trust and like yeah yeah and of course she you know to paul has been over backwards to show that like she's a team player and like she's on board with doing the stuff and has been treated horribly this far um but you know i think in terms of it, it is a very american show it's a mm. very american show and i think for folks to look past it i mean i made this comparison with uh, i believe jake where i i had asked is star trek to you guys like dark like doctor who is to us and yeah whereas i don't think it is i don't know what his answer was but i, I would say no to that no okay think... why, why why do you why do you feel that way because i it's i mean because there are a lot of it is a very british show but i think i think the older doctor who tends to be tends to be more british you know starting in 2005 i think it really got sugar-coated to be appealing to everybody yes that's because that's because in the the late 2000s we as a country decided to join the rest of the world in our (laughs) in our our general outlook on life um but (laughs) but um it's not i I guess for me it's because i watch tng and patrick stewart like patrick stewart is the chancellor of the university in the town where I grew up, oh, <laughs> like, wow. you know, okay. you know, he he's. I, I have a friend who did an acting course at that university and was taught by him. As a, they did a workshop with him where oh he my would. God. It, it, <laughs> their, their final project was to you know write, direct, perform like as, as small groups, small plays. He watched each one, critiqued each one, critiqued each individual, um, which you know obviously massively helpful if you're interested in acting. Yeah, um, yeah or any kind of performance. So I just like, oh yeah, no, that's Patrick Stewart. And then, you know, I see Julian Bashir in, in like DS9 and it just, yeah. there's always a character I can latch on to. And, you know, Data who has no nationality to speak of. I mean, realistically, none of these characters by, at least by the later Star Treks have meaningful, like I always think the mention of nationality and location in Star Trek is always an audience benefit. Cause I just don't believe that if you'll grow up in that society where there are all these alien species regularly coming to your home planet to govern this massive intergalactic organization. You think of your nationality in any meaningful way anymore. You know, your yeah. government is, there's, there's a president of, of Earth and beyond that, there's a president of every, you know, this massive interstellar organization, which right. has more impact <laughs> on your life than any local official, you know, yeah. you know, the, the equivalent of the, prime minister of the united kingdom or president of the united states in 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 star trek land to me is like your local counselor like you know yeah pretty much that's where you've got the world is so small by that point but there's always a character i can latch on to you know data is always a character i i I identify very strongly with um Mm -hmm. for example and it, it doesn't feel that way to me but that may be because there's not a lot of America, there's lots of Star Trekisms which may originate in American culture, but there's not Americanisms the way that Doctor Who has Britishisms. You know, the right. police box needs an explanation, right? Like, you know, you need yeah. to <laughs> you, you need to know that in Britain we used to have these 
and and it was an archaic reference by the time the show started like right being phased out it <laughs> yeah. was deliberately a like you know not so old that the tv audience wouldn't recognize it but it was deliberately a like oh that's a bit out of place and that's you know yeah. but you need to know that we used to have telephone boxes specifically for the emergency services and the police in particular in this in this country before mobiles were invented and you need to know a bunch of other you know jokes and 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 in, in things whereas when i'm watching star trek my barrier is rarely like you know with other american shows i watch like i don't know brooklyn 99 which is the thing i'm binging at the moment it's um, that's an amazing show really good it. show <laughs> but like you know i watch it's it's based on the nypd right and your police yeah. forces are completely different in operation in or it, and and i'm not just meaning like as in your officers routinely carry guns and I'm not going to get into <laughs> policing in America because let's avoid that. But like, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the UK police is organizationally different. The ranking structure, while similar, doesn't really like has the same names, but doesn't really correlate, you know, the, right. the you know, the, because it's New York, they're often dealing with gangsters and Rico type prosecutions. That yep. is not a thing we do in the in Britain, our, our gangs, our county line uh, drugs gangs, are, are, are what we have as, a, as as an equivalent to the mafia, and that is overselling mm. county line drug gangs. That's giving them a lot of <laughs> lot of credit. Um, but like you know, when I watch that show, I'm I'm occasionally you know googling things, being like, how does the MVPD work? How does I don't understand this. <laughs> whereas whereas with Star Trek, I'm just like, oh yeah, cool phases, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I understand even if like say the position the, the positions like tactical officer and, and helmsman or something originated in the navy, yeah. I've learned them as positions of Starfleet officers. So it doesn't really matter that I don't have that understanding of US naval tradition or US naval ranks, for example, which is I believe what the ranking structure is largely drawn from. Because yeah. I know I've just learned that the ensign then there's lieutenant lieutenant commander commander captain right i'm just like i know that i know how that works and it doesn't matter that that's not necessarily the same as british i mean pronunciation's odd because um obviously british is lieutenant for for, for lieutenant and so on but, right <laughs> which is, is one british pronunciation even i will defend because it doesn't make sense <laughs> um, well yeah it's you know and looking at all that stuff that was you know of course like I mentioned earlier, groundwork laid in the mid 1960s mm. by a former by a former military by former military personnel, Gene Robinberry. Mm. Um, it's yeah, it, a lot of it is based on that, and it's always kind of fun. I, I always really enjoyed seeing some of the old, very old traditions still carried out on this mm. very modern ship. Uh, the listeners can't see it, but your background is the bridge of the uh, 1701D. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I couldn't resist. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I have that old Zoom background. I'll, I'll put it, because otherwise I'm sat in a very boring room. <laughs> this well, is just my little office. You know, at the time, because I mean, I was a TNG kid and, <laughs> you know, that to see a spaceship look like this really cool den of like every leather covered yeah. seats and wood you know, wood trimmed, you know, panels and stuff like that. I was like, man, this is really cool. But you know what? To notify the entire crew, you still have the, you know, the yeah, little whistle. The, the old uh, naval, naval yeah, the whistle. Yeah, the old naval so whistle. They still have the plaque. They still have the plaque for yeah. the registry number. And, you know, 
They still do. Hell, when they buried Spock, they still played, uh, you know, uh, Amazing Grace on bagpipes. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's kind of that stuff that I kind of dig. And I, you know, started putting together some of my own little research as a little side project thing of just researching different ships in uh, ships that have been named Enterprise and their missions and mm. th- all that stuff. And then as the I only, was... I believe the only active uh, Enterprise naval ship at the moment is um, the British one. It's HMS Enterprise. Well, that, the yeah, only that's... Currently, the, like, the only currently active named ship named Enterprise is a British one. It's not a good British naval ship, <laughs> uh, but it's, it is... Um, it is like someone told me that fact the other day. I was like, I'm going to save that for an appropriate moment. Well, yeah. Um, well, and that's the funny thing was like, as I was going along, cause I kind of started uh, with the NASA program and worked my way yeah. backwards. And then as I was going back, I was just like, Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. I forgot the, <laughs> the British Navy. Like, and then I started trying to get into the British Navy stuff and trying to find, you know, some patches, some photos, some, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff and looking around and I was just like, oh, man, this is a little bit trickier for me to find just because I'm not as familiar with that stuff. And, you know, different terms and, you know, things are yeah. labeled differently, you know, as opposed to USS, it's HMS, uh, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that sort of thing, you know, is kind of throwing me off of like, well, man, the, I, the trick I, need, with I any... need to grow. I need to grow and learn so that I can yeah. properly research these things. Pro, pro tip, if you're ever researching anything kind of official. Uh, that's British. Start with Her Majesty and work backwards. <laughs> it's probably Her Majesty's something. Her Majesty's, Her Majesty's something. Revenue, yeah. Her Majesty's <laughs> Revenue and Customs. Her Majesty's Police Force. Her Majesty's ship. Wonderful. So, no, that's that's a good that's a good tip because I'm gonna I'm still in the midst of re- researching a thing. Uh, no, that's great. So you know, have you have you ever lost your phone? And <laughs> I, I <laughs> bring it um, back. <laughs> I've never lost it. I mean, I've never lost it and started a war. I could <laughs> one upon one upon read on that one. Um, Depends on what kind of photos you have on that phone. <laughs> Your loved ones just might start a war with you. Um, I'm pretty sure there's some because uh, my fiance is Russian, uh, so I visited Russia uh-huh. and. Uh, 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 let me tell you, that's a country to be nervous about your internet accessing at times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like you, you, you have to in in Russia. You know how like to access Wi-Fi, you have to put like an email address in sometimes or something. Yeah. Russia always has to be a phone number, so you're really like, Ooh, Ooh. do I want to give you this? Um, so that's the worst situation I've lost my phone in, um, and I didn't, I didn't. Uh, that was merely I misplaced it in in her house and found it again. But Oof. you know, like that's the worst. That's the worst it's ever been, and it's still not as bad as what happens in this episode. I mean, yeah. oh, I, I, and the way they they try and deny the technology as well. Like that, there's the bit where they're like captured just before they grab all the other equipment off them. They're like, "What's this?" And he's like. I don't know. It's like, you know, you have other equipment in your pocket. You know, they're going to search you. Why did you say that? That's only going to make it work. Like they should have just admitted to being aliens was my overriding thought throughout all of this. It's just like, just like the doctor thinks you're aliens that you are not fooling people here. And then they do (laughs) fool them and it just makes it worse. I'm just like, you should have, you should have just been like, yeah, we're from a different planet. It's all a bit weird. Can we leave now? We're supposed to not be. <laughs> well, it's to me, as I, gosh, before the 
before the opening uh before the opening credits even started to roll when they came i was like oh man i've lost my career my communicator if i'm archer i'm going oh well <laughs> like, yeah. and let's just bounce you know i mean it because i mean to go back and get it presents so many more things that can go wrong it feels just like, like cut your of, losses man okay it feels the like it's gone we, yeah. we screwed up again sorry it feels like, like what they need to do is press a button that causes that communicator to just be completely non-functional just be you. like it doesn't work it, it like fries the you know basically yeah. like a compartment of acid it breaks all the internals it's like no one's ever going to reverse engineer this and it doesn't work if anyone finds it so be it yeah. like you know <laughs> and then also the fact that like he dropped it while drinking is just like <laughs> like you know i, I doesn't look good in the report read <laughs> yeah yeah like i i have a i have a, a cousin who's who's recently come of, of drinking age and lost lost her phone twice it's like if you're if you're operating on the the, the you know um, my cousin's not an idiot but while 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 in that much drink definitely you know that stupid if you an intelligent military officer are operating on the same level as a drunk 20 something <laughs> You you maybe need to reconsider your position. Oh God, yeah. I just oh, so much goes wrong. I, also, you know, can I bring up, please, the cloaking arm, which is funny, but I don't understand what it's there for. Like, I don't understand what it achieves in the episode because you didn't mention it in in your recap. But while they they calibrate the stolen Sulaban ship to be a cloaked so they can try retrieve them secretly which doesn't work at all right but during that process is it, is it tucker's arm gets like um yeah it becomes cloaked and there's like a funny scene with with dr flocks but it's like otherwise it's just like what's the point of his arm being invisible for part of this other than to waste special effects budget it's yeah. funny but yeah it's really weird well and as soon as that happened as soon as that happened i, t- I slow turned to my wife and was just like i know this is fiction but that's yeah. not how cloaking works. <laughs> that is definitely not how cloaking works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so bonkers the things that they try to interject as comedic relief mm. end up just kind of slowing the episode down. I you know I don't think it this is an episode that doesn't benefit from comedic relief. Like True. I think yeah. the, the, the 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 lightness needs to be at the start and then it needs to get more and more tense and more and more intense as the consequences of their actions become clear. But yeah, you're right. I think with the dramatic tension there, it does need to be, it does need to be cut at least a little bit, but Mm. yeah, I I don't know. It seems like a lot of the writer's room could have really benefited from having like Patton Oswalt, Brian Posehn, these, you know, Uber nerds who are comedians and comedic writers of like, Hey, we need some tension break here. You know, what do you got? And because I mean, the jokes they're making just aren't landing. Mm. And uh, it's kind of, I no. feel like they're just spinning their wheels. And it's just kind of like, all right, if you're, if you're not going to tell the joke right, let's just get focused. back to the A plot. Yeah. It, it just feels like they needed a, what is this episode? I mean, this is the thing I think common with all Enterprise. What's this episode about? What are we focusing on? What right. side plots are going to service that main plot? Right. Yeah. Just, get on with it is, yeah. is what i feel like saying to them quite a lot 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. So as uh, as we have with every episode, who do we blame? Well, this episode was, uh, the story, of course, was done by Berman and Braga. Their last episode was the last episode we talked about, which was season two, episode six, the seventh. And then uh, we've got the teleplay being uh, done by Andre Bormanis. Uh, his last was season one, episode 24, Desert Crossing. And uh, this episode was directed by Mr. James A. Contner. His last work was season two, episodes two and three, Carbon Creek and Minefield, which we actually just released today, August 16th is when we're recording. But the, that episode dropped. It's our first director spotlight where, you know, we discuss in depth that director's work uh, beyond Star Trek. And of course, uh, we discussed that with Mr. Justin Bishop on episode 24 of the computer resume podcast which is available now but uh, we've got some guest stars uh here to note uh francis guinan plays general gosis he's uh done a couple of fun things in film uh speed two hannibal constantine i love constantine i think it's a lot of fun uh the last airbender in 2010 and the evil within which is just a train wreck of a movie but like Oh, it's it's so it, gra- grab your friends, grab grab some bottles of booze and just have fun with it. It's a, <laughs> it's really a lot of fun. But if, he also did two episodes of Voyager before this entry in Enterprise. And then we've got Mr. Tim Keller as Lieutenant Pell. He's got quite an extensive resume, but I'll just hit some of the highlights here. 1992, he was in Malcolm X. 93, he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 as the voice of Raphael. Yeah, a little too Raph. 1994, Terminal Velocity. He did Operation Dumbo Drop, uh, The Bird Cage, Executive Decision, Independence Day, those three in 1996. And then Desperate Measures, which is a lot of fun. That's a really great one. Uh, where uh, Michael Keaton is this uh, inmate and he's arrested by Andy Garcia. And then Andy Garcia's kid needs like an organ transplant, but the only person who can do it is this criminal played by Michael Keaton. And he has to willingly give up. Ah, it's I'm getting into it. It's, it's a great movie. Definitely check it out. But Desperate Measures and The Negotiator in 1998. And then also Matchstick Men in 2003 and Inception. In 2010. It's been a while since I've watched Inception. I really enjoyed that. But before this episode of Enterprise, he was on uh, one episode of Voyager and he was in the series finale of The Next Generation. He was uh, he had a small role in uh, Hmm. All Good Things. So, um, Nathan, any final thoughts about this particular episode of Enterprise? you haven't commented on the opening theme song, so I want to see uh, what your thoughts are. I don't think it's great, but what I will say about the Enterprise theme song is I think its ideas lead to some really good opening title sequences in Discovery. I think that idea, like, so Discovery has, like, Enterprise ruins it with Faith of the Heart, but the the panning shots of, like, human endeavor is really cool and then discovery Uh does a similar thing with like the breakdown of different technology over time and like thing so i i i will i will give enterprise begrudging credit in that faith of the heart while bad leads to some good things (laughs) which i think is the nicest i will ever be about i was gonna say that is the nicest anyone has been on this show (laughs) 
about faith of the heart. I'll be honest. That's um, really funny to hear. I really enjoyed that. But you make a good point. Yeah, it does kind of pave the way for Mm. the next thing, which is kind of the point. But yeah, absolutely. So um, next week, we will be joined by a very special guest. How special, you ask? Thank you for asking. So special that I actually can't tell you their name. And the reason for that is because that person has not returned my texts. So I'm not sure if we have a guest for the next show, but we'll see. Either way, it will be a very special episode. And uh, whoever is our guest will be joining us for a discussion of Enterprise Season 2, Episode 9, The Singularity. And of course, that is available on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course on Paramount+. Plus. Nathan, yes. where can people find your work on the internet? Uh, you should go, you, for my Star Trek podcast, you should um, find at RedshirtsCast um, on Twitter, and it's, it's on all of the podcastable places as that as well. Um, we've, as of August 16th, which is when we're recording this, we've just released Arena, we've done episodes on, on the Borg, we've done runs on the Mirror Universe very early on, we've done random episodes when we feel like it, and we, we've slowly been working every 10 episodes or so, we, we, we tackle a film, we had first contact most recently, um, as part of our big Borg look at, um, and so on. Uh, nice. that's, that's the main place. That's the main thing I'm putting out at the moment. Um, if I have other things, I'll let you know in time, by the time this is coming out, I'll let you know. Wonderful. And where can people bother you personally on the, online? Uh, it's at Nathan Thomas at Twitter is probably the best place. That's where I tend to engage with, with lots of people. You'll find, um, you'll find commentary on, on UK LARPing and, and role-playing. You'll find me retweeting Star Trek things and you'll, because I'm undergoing lawyer training, you'll find my hot takes on on boring legal procedure in the UK. Um, okay, we definitely have some things to talk about because I work <laughs> I work as a paralegal here. In oh, state. cool, yeah, cool, yeah. Cool. Uh, and of course, I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you at ten forward. subspace transmissions to computer resume podcast at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter and instagram the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop our outro music was provided with permission by drone node additional music was provided by mr todd a davis and gary horn and i'm cat davis at that dot darn dot cat with a k on Instagram, the Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We've probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?